0: This presentation is from UX Australia 2019, Sydney. Please join me in welcoming Phil Delant to the stage. I don't like rules too much. That's because I'm French. And for us, there's really one way to handle rules. If things get serious, we go on strike. And if things get even more serious, we go on hunger strike of croissant. But uh, we never take it to that extreme. Uh, by the way, uh, I'm Phil, this is my team. There's a clever Photoshop, Photoshop hack here because it's always impossible to, to get everyone on, on a photo, but no one will notice, surely. That's at UX Camp in Perth a few weeks ago. We had a lot of fun, as you can see. I work for Redify. Let's talk about breaking the rules. It's 1903 and someone, a researcher, joins Thomas Edison's team and asks him about the rules in the laboratory. And Thomas Edison famously replies, there are no rules here. We're trying to accomplish something. Beautiful, right? Now, of course, there's a lot of rules. There's your official rules and your implicit rules. So what does it, oh great, someone tell me. Um, I'm going to try and find my mouse, which is always impossible. Just bear with me. It's not live coding, but it's the same level of difficulty for me. (laughs) Happy face. So what does it look like when you're trying to make a living as a designer out there in the vast world? Well, there's an industry we're part of It's probably good to know what sort of rules apply there. Now, you may be working in healthcare or finance or education. That comes with a set of rules. There's a state, a country. Maybe you're working on products that are shipped outside of your country. In that case, you have to be aware of uh, the laws and regulations in place. You work probably for an organization. Or if you're a consultant for other organizations that have their own ways of working on a project, on a team, don't talk to that guy. A lot of ways of working, a lot of uh, unwritten rules as well. And I'd like to say hopefully there's also yourself. There's probably a few lines you don't want to cross. Like I'll never eat Vegemite again or something like that. But yeah, it's, it's a lot of rules, and it's not like we wake up every morning going, oh, why? It's so hard, let's stay in bed. Like, designing is really too hard, but really, we have to face them. And the question that's really in our toolbox, and that we probably use every day, hopefully a few times a day, is, is the question why. We need to be asking why, we need to be challenging things. You probably know about the, the five whys, uh, or Simon Sinek, start with why, Great book. Um, another question that usually follows this is, who came up with that law? Who came up with that rule? Which to me is usually a bit of a synonym of how much trouble am I gonna get into once I start you know, pushing against this. Now, unless we question things, I'd argue we're not exactly designers. We're implementers or operators. But I wanna be a designer. Uh, by the way, a, a quick disclaimer, I'm, I'm fine with the rules. Um, I drive on the right side of the road, which is the left side in Australia. I learned that progressively, now I know it. Um, I pay my taxes, and we agree. Usually rules are here to provide a safe environment for all of us to live in harmony. But sometimes you need to push back against certain rules. Maybe sometimes break them. What I'd like to do is consider five areas of design, and see what sort of rules can apply when I have 20 minutes, and how we might approach them. Are we good? Let's go. Okay, let's start with product strategy. There's no innovation without breaking the rules. So of course, I'm gonna bring up the Uber BNBs, uh, all those products that have changed our lives, or probably that we use much more than we did uh, a few years ago, but they've broken the rules in certain industries. The funny thing is now new laws have to be put in place to control the new territories that these have revealed. Uh, For example, if you rent an apartment, there's probably going to be an Airbnb close. Uber are also fighting with the French actually being on strike. At the moment, the French Uber riders, they're on strike. It's just, you know, a cycle, right? So break the rules and get your rules broken, if that's a thing. Now, of course, there's more industries to disrupt. I just wanted to bring up one example here. You may have heard of King Price. There's a, they're a car insurance company. And they've actually gone, why should we paying the same premiums for our cars throughout the years when the car value goes down progressively? Every month my car is worth less money, so let's, let's start an insurance model where the premiums decrease throughout time as the value of your car decreases throughout time. Great idea, right? Why did nobody think about it before? Well, first, because we need to ask why more often. I really believe we should be asking why more often. Another reason next to that, obviously, is for established businesses whose business model relies on that and on you know milking that cow, obviously, you don't want to challenge that. Hence, you need disruption. So, breaking the rules at at an industry level is massive. A lot of people are trying to do that. But you don't have to go to that level to break rules. You can go at much smaller levels. You can go at interaction level. Let's look at product designer. God, I'm thirsty, aren't you? I'd like to say in product design, there are non-negotiable when you think about accessibility it has been hard enough to get some kind of order in there that we don't want to challenge those rules who want to champion them, right? You may go, oh, this is not perfect, or, that is not perfect, but it is something that we want to champion not only for legal but also moral reasons. Now, outside of accessibility, when you think product design, you think standards, best practice, Usually, you want to use air quotes around those ones, right? It's funny because it can be conflicting. You know, your iOS guidelines against your Android Material guidelines, or you know, the, even the tab bar is not in the same place. Like, how do you how do you manage consistency? And that's the question you want to ask: Is consistency everything? You probably know about Jacob's um, law. It's not an actual law. Yeah, it's, it's more like a self-proclaimed law, obviously, like a law of physics. But that says that people spend most of their time on other people's products. So however important your product is, when they get to your product, they would rather it work like everybody else's. Make sense? Think about the indicator in your car, like it piss you off when it's on the left side, it's normally on the right side, and you turn on the wipers and it's horrible. Now it's a great principle because Consistency is going to drive learnability. That being said, when people start using your product more and more, isn't the importance of learnability going to decline in favor of usability if there's a a fence there? So Jared Spool a few months ago, you may have seen that on Twitter but also in, in an article, he argues that it's okay to be inconsistent with the rest of the world as long as you rely on the user's current knowledge. Okay, it's a bit abstract. Let's look at an example. So, this one was uh, raised by Theo Strauss. So in most applications, at the top of the screen, you've got a search bar. On mobile applications, probably on desktop applications as well. So it's not a it's not a rule. Okay, it's a it's a standard uh, convention that you break at your own risk. But it's exactly what a team did at Lyft. they move the search bar at the bottom of the screen. It's the main functionality, you're looking for a car, you just want to ping your, your destination. So it's really the rule of thumbs, and I really mean the rule of where your thumbs go, right? That usually when you're ordering a taxi, when you're calling a taxi, you may be, well, you're probably gonna be using one hand. I was probably this morning when I realized I was half an hour late for the sound check, but Your your other hand may be holding a bag or an umbrella or someone's hand if you're a bit of a romantic. So it makes sense in that context to break that rule. So what's the golden rule of breaking rules in interaction design? Well, talking about consistency, the one thing you should consistently do is take it back to the user and research and validate and test with the users. Because a standard is nothing outside the context of use. Do we agree? Now, we've talked about delivering, uh, designing products, Let's Let's talk about how we deliver products. I'm going to have another sip of that beautiful water there. Well, the first rule that comes to my mind is, air quotes, requirements. And I love how in his book, User Story Mapping, Jeff Patton, he speaks about requirements as being another word for shut up. They're the, the requirements. You know, shut up and do what you're told. Stop asking questions. It's interesting because requirements can be defined way too precisely and way too early in a project, and there's a, a real risk there. Also... We're all aware that sometimes requirements were just something that someone came up in a room next door two hours ago. Usually it's the very person telling you, you know, it's the requirements. But it's interesting. Now again, as a designer, it's your duty to challenge requirements, especially if you look at this, uh, for example, especially when they work against the user's best interest. And I think a lot of progress has been made in the past few years in terms of password validation, right? But what do you do when it's outside of your control? When they weren't made in a room next door, when they were made in some office far, far away, and you don't really have a say. So let me give you an example. I was working on a B2B product, and we had to integrate with the government service. And of course with that integration came a whole bunch of requirements. One of was we had to serve our customers, our users, with a pop-up Every time there was a change in the network status of that service, we were integrating it with. So I'm I'm just going to say that again. Pop-up. Okay. Now, you have to be aware that it was a very important tool that people would use eight, sometimes 10, 12 hours a day sitting in front of their own customers. A lot of red tape in that industry already, and it was something that would completely disrupt their workflow without any particular value. It was also not consistent with any of our other integrations and functionalities. So what do you do? We're just gonna go and break the rule. Of course, we had to pass you know, validation, a validation process with that very same organization giving us those requirements. So that takes me to a question you probably ask yourself every now and then as well. Do I fight or do I flutter? And influence, persuade, maybe. Now, in that case, after a few fruitless meetings and a few conversations, we thought we, we thought we weren't really going anywhere. So, what we decided to do is actually demonstrate a few examples of what of the art of the possible, if you like. So, this looks nothing like the product. I, it's really for illustration purposes. But what we did is we designed that alternative and. Something that was consistent with the rest of the product that would not disrupt our users' workflow. And I like to say, we won, but I'm going to be super corny and say, everybody won. Obviously, other organizations, I was a few months later in another one, implementing the same service, didn't have the same requirement there. So yes, in particular, the users. Now, you can go bigger than that, and there's examples of organizations taking on legislation. And I say, you know, as long as you're fighting for uh, the right thing and you have ethics in mind, you can sometimes be bold and take on bigger things. You need to be placed at the right level and have the right people on your team. So nothing is impossible, and that applies to how we do things, but let's look at the ways we work, ways of working. And when I say... Way of working, I immediately think about Agile. Uh, let me tell you another little story. More of a fable, actually. This is a siloed organization. It's hierarchical, divided, it's common and control. Nobody wants to work there, and actually I'm sure nobody works there, it'd be horrible. Enter is Agile, oh my god, trust, transparency, efficiency. It's a beautiful picture of people working together, delivering value continuously. Beautiful, right? It's so beautiful, what do we want to do? Let's capture it. It's it's so good, let's lock it in, right? So we can then impose it onto other organizations because it's working for us. Oh, introducing the Spotify model, by the way. Okay, thanks. Enough of your cynicism, Phil. Where are the rules to break? Well, I would argue that rules to break here are everywhere in the ways of working. You know, agile being inspecting continuously and adapting. That means pushing, that means breaking rules, not just setting another layer of processes and control. Why? Because we're never there. Because we're talking about transparency, we're talking about trust, and we're human. So we're never there. We're we're always going to have to, I'd like to say fight, probably it's not the best word here, but try and work together so that we can achieve the right balance that applies in our organization on our project. It's weird how sometimes challenging the rules that apply to us is the hardest thing, which takes me to the fifth point. So I'd like to tell you about a rule that I applied to myself. Patient time, here it is. I don't do focus groups. I know it's a bit binary like, oh, Phil, we're surprised. We thought you were an open-minded person. I don't do focus groups in particular for things like product validation. Right, there's too much bias, people tell you what you want to hear, where are my 50 bucks, teacher's pet sort of syndrome, oh, is that my timing, just two minutes then. <laughs> but there's really the group effect that, that, that's at play. And one of our clients was going through a very crucial transition, and they were at risk of losing customers. And we'd work with them through discovery, and we were sort of hanging on a on a board decision to, to move forward. At the same time, they came back from a conference. It's a B2B um, organization. And they had hundreds of their core users going, we want to help, we want to provide you with feedback, we want to participate. And I thought, hmm, wait a minute. Somebody did mention focus groups, and my normal reaction would be, merde. But in this case, I thought uh, maybe we should do it. And what happened is I thought, let's let's get many users involved at once. And it's not only about getting their feedback. It's also about us communicating something to them also that they were at the core and at the center of what we were doing. So I went and broke my stupid rule. And we went around Australia and met with dozens of users at once, and we made sure we remove the bias. We had a bit of a bio-feature activity there. It's fantastic, you should try. And those focus groups had great impact, impact on the next steps for the products of, the, of that company and their relationship with the customers. So in a nutshell, I'd say it's always worth at least thinking and sometimes challenging the rules, thinking of challenging and challenging the rules. And who knows, maybe the weren't meant to be in the first place, but you have to find a balance between being a yes person, so pleasant, yes, I'll design this, Um, and being some jerk no one wants to work with because you're challenging everything all the time. And sometimes you sort of need to pick your battles, don't you? When I'm on that side, I do question whether I'm in the right environment. Now, there's a lot of decisions to make, a lot of why to ask. So I'd like to leave you with a question. Are you making a difference today in your workplace? Are you going with the flow and being complacent? Or are there areas where you could be pushing a little more in the user's interest? Thank you.